It's time for the Crunch Time Plays podcast, where we talk all things sports from the collegiate level all the way up to the pros. And now, here's your host, Bennett Ganey. What's up, y'all? Live loose here. Hey, what's up? This is Danny Wexelman. Hey, everyone. I'm Steffi Smalls. What's up, everyone? It's Ben Lindsay. This is Andrea Carter. Hey there, it's Brooks Austin. And you are watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Crunch Time Plays today. However you're listening or watching, wherever you're watching or listening on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, thanks so much. And we're diving into, we're just about a month away from, from people diving into uh, to fantasy football drafts and I know we've, we've kind of rebranded the show to where uh, we're mostly talking about college sports and recruiting now, but but we're just we're discussing people that that you should be familiar with, people that have played college football last year, some, some rookies that just got drafted that have a chance to make a potential a strong impact in fantasy this season in the NFL. And, and we've got the young fantasy mind. We've got Hutchinson Brown here to, to talk all that. So what's up, man? I'm good, man. Uh just came back from a really relaxing weekend. Saw Black Widow with some friends for my birthday, and it was really, really fun. I'm really excited to talk some rookies today. It's going to be super cool. Hey, that's awesome, man. We're talking Black Widow definitely definitely did well over the weekend. And so I kind of – just before we get into the to the players, I just kind of wanted to to give you an opportunity to talk about uh, your story, what what kind of uh, – what kind of inspired you to, to start your podcast, The Young Fantasy Mind? I know it's really taken off. You've gotten a lot of great uh, reviews and, and ratings off of that. So, so what was kind of the, the inspiration for you there? It was really just so a couple of years. I've only started. This is my third year playing fantasy football. It's my first year in Dynasty. So I'm still a little new um, to fantasy. And my cousin showed me fantasy football a couple of years ago. And like I played my first year. I won a championship in my one league and I was like, this is like, I really loved it. And then I got more hardcore into it, started listening to podcasts, started doing my own research. And then I won another championship. I played in a couple more leagues and I realized I'm really good at this and I really, really like it. And I started research, like how to start a podcast, like how hard can that be? And I realized it's not like impossible. Like anybody can do it. Anybody can start a podcast. So I just kind of, went with it. I started a podcast and I never thought it would get this big. Uh recently hit a thousand followers on Twitter a few weeks ago. It's been it's been spectacular. This industry is so kind and nice and respectful. Everybody's awesome. It's just it's just been a blast. But yeah, the inspiration was really just kind of my love for fantasy football. Hey, I mean I, I wish I, I wish I could have won a fantasy championship in my first year of playing fantasy football and I've been playing it for, for 10, 11 years now. Hadn't won one yet, but hopefully uh Hopefully this year's cut. Hopefully this is my. I keep saying this is my year. This is my year. <laughs> Been ready, but it seems like honestly, the more you prepare, the more work you put into the draft and working the waiver wire, different things like that. The the worse off you're going to be. It seems like the the person that really knows nothing about any of these players really knows <laughs> not a lot about football. Always ends up winning the fantasy championship. Yeah, there's always there's a lot of luck in fantasy football. There is a lot of like you know research and stats you have to re like stuff you have to do. But there's a lot of luck involved in fantasy football. Uh, there's, there's no doubt about that. So I wanted to, to start off uh, by talking about uh, the rookie quarterbacks. You got, uh, you got, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, those guys going ahead and, and getting drafted in Justin Fields. Yep, getting drafted in the first round. So, so who are who are kind of your your top couple of guys that you're looking for to really 
really surge in fantasy this year. You know, you got to start thinking about, you know, who's actually going to start for these teams. You know, you're looking at Trevor Lawrence. He's going to start. Zach Wilson yeah. going to start. There, some yeah. There's definitely going to be some opportunities for Trey Lance, especially if he gets into to training camp and really uh, pushes Jimmy Garoppolo for that job. And then, and then Justin Fields, if he can can get into camp and really, you know, make an impact, I think he has the potential to see the field a lot this year as well. But but kind of looking at, at Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson, they're going to start right away. Who do you have as kind of the top a fantasy quarterback that's going to score the most points? So right now I'm projecting Trey Lance to start week one. He's my favorite quarterback for fantasy this season. I have him right around quarterback 15, like just outside the QB one range. So he'll be like a streaming option every single week. If you play in one quarterback leagues, it's just this offense is loaded. They, they run the ball really well. They keep trailing. They're going to keep Trey Lance comfortable. They're going to design run plays for him because Trey Lance is a great running quarterback. Trey Lance is the best running quarterback in this class, in my opinion. Just uh, There's no doubt for me. He's the best running quarterback in this class. And that's just a Konami code for fantasy football. Running quarterbacks produce fantasy points. Like Lamar was produced the 32nd best passing offense in the league last year with the Ravens. And he was quarterback nine. It's because he runs the ball for like a thousand yards. Trey Lance could run for like 600, 700 yards this season if he, if he starts week one. And that's just going to give him such a safe floor. And he's George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, that great run game, a great offensive line to work with. With a Kyle Shanahan coach, it's just going to be unbelievable for Trey Lance. This situation is so perfect. I believe in the talent. I know it's a small game sample size of what he did, but I really, really like him for 2021. And then my next guy, it, it, it's got to be Trevor Lawrence. We know he's starting week one. Like, we know he's starting week one. There's just, there's just no way he doesn't start week one. The only problem for me is that receiving core is really, really tough. I just don't, I'm not a big believer in Marvin Jones. I mean, I'm not a big believer in GJ Shark. I'm not a huge believer in Chenault. Jones could be, I we didn't see anything last year saying he's DUN done, but he's really up there in age. He's like past his 30s, and now he's on a new team. The Lions got rid of him for a reason. He could be done. Like this receiving core is very shaky. There's no clear number one. So it could be very tough there, but he's going to start. He's the best. I think he's probably the best quarterback in this draft class. I really, really like Justin Fields, but I think he might be the best quarterback in this draft class. So I have to put him at two. And then Justin Fields at three. I don't believe Justin Fields starts week one. I don't believe Justin Fields starts week one, but if he starts week one, he would be over Trevor Lawrence for me. He has Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, and he has a great running back in David Montgomery. I'm a David Montgomery guy. I love David Montgomery. But and he also runs the ball too. Justin Fields is a great quarterback, is a great running quarterback, and that's just going to provide you a safe fantasy floor. But all of these, I don't think any of these guys break into the QB one range this year. Yeah, I mean, when you kind of look at, you kind of look at, at Trey Lance and Justin Fields, definitely, if you knew they were going to start week one, I think they would definitely move up uh, the rankings uh, for a lot of people. I know the a lot of a lot of people have Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson at, at one and two there in the fantasy rankings for quarterbacks but that's just because you know i think there are people are assuming that, that those are the only going to be the only two starters but but if trey yep. lance if trey lance and justin fields do start a uh, week one trey lance probably definitely moves up uh, to number one for me just because of what you said the the running backs are really good the offensive line is really good the receivers are really good and you're in that kyle shanahan offense and then justin fields got he's got some weapons to 
that he could work with uh, there in the first few weeks of the season uh, as well. But it's it's really hard to to gauge right now where where quarterbacks are going to be. You know, if you if you like Trey Lance, if you like Justin Fields, you may want to you know draft them uh, in your fantasy draft and then kind of hold them you know for a couple weeks to see see if they actually get starts or not. Yeah, yeah. If for me, if Justin Fields and Trey Lance were confirmed stars week one, they would both be number one, number two for me for quarterback like fantasy football quarterback rankings because of that rushing ability and because of the situation around them. Zach Wilson and Trevor Lawrence don't have the best receiving cores around him, so it's really tough to rank them up at the top because it's a rookie, and it's also just a rookie quarterback. If you don't give your rookie quarterback great weapons, it's just going to be tough. Like It's really going to be tough on him, on those guys. So I would really much prefer to have Justin Fields or Trey Lance over Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson if we knew all four of them were starting week one. Do you think that this ain't really fantasy related, but do you think that that Urban Meyer would have have come back uh, into coaching to coach the Jaguars if they wouldn't have had that number one pick? If if Trevor Lawrence would not be the quarterback of the of the Jaguars, personally, I don't think Urban Meyer would have came back into coaching. I don't think he would have either. I don't think he would have wanted to work with anybody besides Trevor Lawrence. No, I I, I definitely don't think so. I think that's you know the, one of the main reasons. Uh, that he came yeah. back to be to be able to to coach Trevor Lawrence and be able to to have that offense and then and the the thing another thing that'll be interesting for me uh, to watch with him is when he was you know in college he was kind of in control of the program and you know in the NFL the, mm-hmm. the head coach isn't the one it really the one in charge you know you got you got yeah. the GM, you got the GM I mean you work work closely with the general manager as the head coach being able to to relinquish some of that control as a head coach. I think that's going to be really yep. interesting for Urban Meyer. But kind of moving up to the running backs now, we've got a got a really good a stable of running backs here uh, at the top. Of course, it, it probably starts yep. with, with Najee Harris for me. For the Steelers, he's going to be a guy that's going to come in and plug and play right away. He's going to be a three-down back. He's He can do it all. Then you got Travis Etienne, who can also do it all. You know, Personally, for me, I you know, heard Urban Meyer after they got dra- after he drafted ETN to say he might only be a third down back this year. I don't really think that's going to be the case. I think he's going to be an every down uh, back. You know, him and James Robinson, Carlos Hyde, they're going to battle it out. But but ETN's definitely a guy that they can run the football, catch passes out of the backfield. A guy that Trevor Lawrence is really familiar with, really security blanket uh, for him. So I got him there at number two. And kind of number three, kind of went off base a little bit, but but Javante Williams, I think he was a great fit uh, coming out of North Carolina for the Broncos. He's going to battle with Melvin Gordon during camp. But personally, I think for me, Javante Williams is a guy that that can start uh, week one and really provide a great you know fantasy impact uh, for for the Broncos' offense this season, assuming he beats out Melvin Gordon for that job. Sorry, uh, yeah, I'm in. Pretty much completely agree with you. I'd rather have Javante Williams than Travis Etienne, though. Because I feel James Robinson's a much more talented running back than Melvin Gordon at this point. And Melvin Gordon's also a free agent next season, which means they have plans to replace Melvin Gordon eventually. The Look, Najee Harris, I think, is locked in for 300 touches. I think it's locked in. Big Ben is washed. Big Ben is done. He can't throw... F- he can't throw more than five yards, so he's going to be—he's going to be dumping off tons of passes to Najee Harris. Najee's in my top twelve in my rankings. Love him this season. I think he's going to be great. 
Love his value where he's being drafted. But Najee, yeah, Najee's just locked in. He's the RB1 of this class. He's the RB1 of this class for fantasy. There's just no debate there. For me, Monte's at two because the takeover will happen. We know it will happen because there, there's no world where Melvin Gordon, a 28-year-old running back, free agent next season, is the lead back by the end of the season. I think at least by week 12, because uh, their bye week is week 11. So by week 12, Javante Williams will have this backfield to himself, and it's going to be a breakout from there. So it, it could be a committee week 1 through 10. It could be Javante week 1. It could be full Melvin Gordon and Javante gets nothing. But week 12 is when the Javante Williams breakout will happen. The bye week is a big time for these rookie running backs to come in and actually take over backfields. The bye weeks is when things happen, when people, when rookies coming in take over. It's when Tua took over last season. It's when Cam Akers started to take over last season. He took over close to after the bye week. It was just people start, rookies start to come in after the bye weeks. They start to really come in and break out. Javante will be the leader of this backfield. Travis Etienne, you can't say that 100% yet. I believe eventually this will be Travis Etienne's backfield. I feel that Urban Meyer appreciates the physical gifts, the physical talents of Etienne over James Robinson's production. So I believe that Travis Etienne will eventually be the starter. But I feel that Javante will be the starter sooner. Yeah, I mean, there, there's certainly no denying that. I mean, part, you know, you think about, Think about Javante Williams. He's definitely going to be a guy. And it's, it's just really interesting to me kind of bringing these rookies along. It seems like, especially receiver, running backs, it, it takes up until probably until up until the bye week for them to to really, you know, kind of make an impact, make, take over backfields. But when you get into these receivers, which we're going to get into in a minute, it seems like to me receivers take a little bit less time to kind of come on. They take, you know, two or three weeks to really build up of that report with the quarterback yep. in practice in, in camp leading into the season in practice the first few weeks of the season to really get in there receivers for rookie receivers i think it definitely takes a less time for them to come on that they're running backs yeah receivers like you saw with justin jefferson last season you saw like the first two weeks he had literally nothing like he was uninvolved you saw it with t higgins first two three weeks uninvolved you see it with receivers where they're just uninvolved in the first two weeks. They're just getting with the, as you said, just getting rapport with the quarterback, getting in this offense, just kind of playing football in the NFL for the first couple of games, kind of like learning how it works. And then they step forward or they just have a disappoint, or they just don't really step forward and have a disappointing season. Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs like that. But so you want to jump into these receivers now? Uh, first I want to, uh, before we move on to the receivers, I didn't want to kind of hit on, maybe a couple of the kind of sleeper uh, running backs that, that you could pick up, you know, later on in a fantasy draft that could pay dividends for you uh, down the road in, in the fantasy season. But if you look at a guy like, like Michael Carter from also from North yes. Carolina. I know he, Love he, Michael Carter. He didn't get a lot of attention. Uh, at North, if, nationally speaking last year, he didn't get a lot of attention uh, at North mm-hmm. Carolina, but he was actually, you know, right behind Javante Williams as far as, as far as setting those rushing records. Uh, at North Carolina, didn't really get talked about a lot because he he did play second fiddle a lot to Javante Williams. But when you talk to people around that program, they really think they're they're probably about even. Uh, the Jets to me are interesting because you got you got Michael P. Ryan there, you got you got Tevin Coleman there now. He's Ty Johnson, Ty Johnson, yeah, as well. But personally, I think that that Michael Carter could come in and, and compete. 
you know, right away with them and, and ultimately take over that backfield maybe maybe during the bye week, like like you just mentioned. And then a couple other guys, Trey Sermon's a guy that that I yeah. really that I really love watching at Oklahoma. But when you look at the 49ers backfield, they've got some guys coming off of injuries. Trey Sermon's definitely going to be able to get uh, an opportunity to probably even week one really get an opportunity to make an impact there in the 49ers backfield. So definitely people take a look at him. And then and then you know I know he's not a guy that that's gonna gonna start because you know the Panthers have a have a really awesome running back in Christian I McCaffrey. Wrote but, this guy down. But Christian McCaffrey, he gets hurt. He he's he you know he found he got hurt last year. First time he's been hurt. You know there's there's been a little bit of of history here lately with with McCaffrey and some injuries. But but Chuba Hubbard's a guy that that you know led the NCAA in rushing. He's a guy that that can really step in and, and get into the backfield. He can also catch passes you know out of the backfield like a Christian McCaffrey does. So as if even as a even as a guy that's going to spell McCaffrey. If McCaffrey does go down, Chuba Hubbard's definitely a guy that, that people need to be watching out for. Yeah, definitely. We saw Mike Davis come in and be a fantasy superstar when Christian McCaffrey was out. Anybody can produce in this backfield. If Chuba Hubbard were to step in, he could definitely be really, really good for fantasy. But I like the other guys you mentioned. Michael Carter. Michael Carter is... I feel it's the same kind of Javante Williams situation. They both come from the same college. I feel it's the same situation. Like he's eventually going to have this, the opportunity. The problem for me is his size. He's under 200 pounds. Like that is, I don't love running backs that are under 200 pounds being workhorse running backs. That's not really a thing I love. And the thing is he was limp. He was, he was a pretty limited in terms of his work. Cause he was always behind Javante Williams. So I don't know. I'm not 100% confident he could take that workhorse step up, but it could definitely happen. And I love targeting him in Dynasty, especially Dynasty. But in redraft late, I love targeting him too. Trey Sermon is a little more confusing because there's no chance that he's the workhorse because this 49ers backfield is always a committee. It doesn't matter what who is healthy. This is always a committee backfield. And Trey Sermon could definitely lead, but leading is like, 10 carries <laughs> like it's not really that many it's not really that much work That's Trey true. Sermon has Trey Sermon has been showing some good production in the passing game there's been reports about him looking good catching the ball that could be great for his fantasy but I don't see him getting more than 15 touches a game in his even in his like breakout time I don't see him getting that many more many more touches than that it's just always a committee backfield so his upside is definitely limited but he could definitely be a solid RB2 down the stretch if he starts to take up this lead role. Yeah, I mean, really interesting point uh, that you made that, that I completely agree with. You know, Kyle Shanahan, you know, he realizes that their running backs have a have a shelf life. And so he, and so, you know, we're kind of getting to the point where a lot of these coaches are are really understanding, really coming into to the light of, of running backs having, having a shelf life. And I think he does a really good job. Uh, managing uh, the committee of running backs that he has this is one of the one of the you know one of the reasons why I think he's one of the the top coaches in this league. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's terrible for fantasy because like we want our workhorse running backs, like we want our Derrick Henrys, we want our Dalvin Cooks, we want our Alvin Kamaras, but like it's just so much smarter for the NFL. Look at Raheem Mostert last season. Like even though he got hurt, obviously, but when he was healthy, he was electric. Like he was so good. And he's still at like 20. He's like 29 years old now. Is he 30 now? 
Like he's really he's up there in age, but he still looks great. And it's because he's been limited in San Francisco for most of his career. Like he just doesn't have the workhorse touches. And we see guys like Derrick Henry at 27. We're concerned about him. We see guys like Todd Gurley have that one injury. He's 26 years old and he's just done. Like he's dust at this point, pretty much. Like no one is trusting Todd Gurley. No one is signing Todd Gurley. Todd Gurley is done. Like running backs don't have a shelf life, have you said? So committees are smart for NFL teams, but they're pretty frustrating for fantasy. As I've said, like with Trey Sermon, limited work, it limits his upside. But yeah, it's definitely very smart for NFL. Yeah, and you know, think about think about Ty Gurley, kind of you know, kind of kind of saw uh, this coming for him because he he was the workhorse uh, back at Georgia. Of course, he had guys that that would spell him and, and Marshall and and Chubb for his his final year uh, there in mm-hmm. Georgia. But he but he really, he took the bulk of the carries uh, there. You come, you know, come to the Rams. They, he gets the gets the bulk of the carries. Really, really starts to to kind of decrease uh, that shelf life. So really, you kind of see kind of this coming for him the last couple of years. Yeah, you, I mean, honestly, like when because I I wasn't really super into football back then when Todd Gurley was really good. <laughs> I love how I'm saying back then it was like three years ago. But like when he was getting the work, like it was just like you could clearly see like, okay, this is coming to an end very fast. Like he was just getting so much work. The thing that I like, I mentioned Derrick Henry earlier, but I'm not very concerned about Derrick Henry's shelf life because he was slowly worked into this workhorse. This is the second, I believe this is might only be the first year he's actually seen 300 plus carries. I believe this is only the first year he's seen 300 plus carries. I might be wrong in that. It might be two, but he was slowly worked in. I can't remember the running back's name. He was worked in behind. But he was slowly worked in, and now he's just the guy, and it's just comfortable for his legs. I think he can go three plus more seasons. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think so too. He was definitely, definitely worked into. Like, and he's a monster. He's like two hundred fifty yeah. pounds. Like he's a monster. He's a freak athlete. He's a freak of nature. He's crazy, dude. Yeah, he can like, go forever. I don't, I don't think uh, there's anything that that Derrick Henry uh, can't do uh, in a backfield or, or running. No, but when he when he lays the uh, stiff arm on you, you know you're you're pretty you're pretty much, you're pretty much done. Uh, you're done. <laughs> you're not tackling him. <laughs> he's a hard guy to bring down anyway. It takes yeah. three or four guys to to bring him down. But but kind of, kind of moving as we're moving along, I did want to hit on the wide receivers with you next. Yes, you let's go. Got, and you know this is this is a pretty nice uh, receiver. Uh, rookie class, you know, you think yeah. there were so many great receivers uh, in this draft and a number, the first guy drafted was Jamar Chase. He's, of course, you know, we talk about the rookies like taking a few weeks to kind of come on. I don't think that's going to be the case for Jamar Chase, even though he's kind of battling, you know, T Higgins, Tyler Boyd also uh, in that receiving group, but he's got that instant chemistry uh, with Joe Burrow from, from 2019 at, at LSU that can really help him, you know, as we get into training camp, as we get into week one, week two. So I don't necessarily think he's going to be a guy that takes a few weeks to come on. And then and then two, three, and four, you know, you kind of look at Devontae Smith there for the Eagles, guy that guy that Jalen Hurts has uh, has a, a rapport with if he if he ends up being the starting quarterback uh, there in Philadelphia. And then Jalen Waddle's a guy with Tua. You know, we think about think about college uh, reunions, Tua to to Waddle, an instant combination there for for the Dolphins and then and then Rashad Bateman for the for the Ravens like he gives yep. a he gives Lamar Jackson a really nice weapon to be able to 
a really nice big weapon to be able to, he can play anywhere. He can play in the slot. He can play outside a guy that can really take the top off the defense because he's, he's really fast for his size. When you, when you think about him comparatively speaking, but, but who are your kind of, who are your, your top uh, wide receivers? Yeah, it is. It's the exact four guys you just said, but it's in a pretty different order. I have Devonta Smith at one uh, for my rookie receivers. I'd have him as the top ranked fantasy receiver. I have him just inside my top 24. He's my wide receiver 24 right now in my rankings. Look, I, like with fantasy, I usually like to chase volume. This guy is going to see the load of the targets. He's been with Jalen Hurts before. The other two guys, Dallas Goddard, Jalen Rager, cannot be a number one. Like they've just proven they cannot be a number one. I think they're both solid. I think they both can be great, but they cannot be number ones. They're not dependable. Devonta Smith is that guy. 120 catches in college. Like he's just a pure alpha receiver. And Jalen Hurts, I believe, will struggle in the passing game. So he's going to lean on him. Just think about what Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles did to Allen Robinson. They're struggling quarterbacks in the passing game. They leaned on that number one option. And Allen Robinson produced great fantasy numbers, fringe wide receiver one numbers. Like he was just great. So, I mean, Devon Smith and Allen Robinson are not very similar. They're different receivers, but it's this, it's a similar type of situation, like just a struggling quarterback leaning on their number one option. I think Devonta Smith could see 120, 130 targets in his rookie season, and that would be un- that would be pretty much a locked-in wide receiver three for fantasy, and you're getting him later than that. Yeah, I mean, Devontae Smith's a guy that, and I, I definitely, definitely agree. I think he's a guy that is going to see a lot of touches, especially with kind of these, these college reunions. You know, you think about, you think about Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith, but also also Tua and Waddle. You know, I know Waddle's coming off, yeah, coming off the coming off and Burrow and Chase. Yeah, they're thinking about all these great reunions. I don't really think you know we talk about these these wide receivers. You know, taking a few weeks to come on, but this year's kind of the outlier in that sense, to where you had so many college reunions. I don't really think it's going to take those three guys specifically as long to come on as it ordinarily yeah. would. Yeah, and then let, let's talk about the – I'll talk about the rest of the receivers here. My second is obviously has to be Jabbar Chase. He's either one or two. Like you can't really put him below Jalen Wall or Rashawn Bateman. That doesn't really make any sense. I'm not a huge fan of Jamar Chase. I'm not the hugest fan of Jamar Chase coming in the NFL because I don't believe Jamar Chase is an alpha receiver. That's the problem. I just don't think he is. In his breakout year, it's over 1,700 yards, 20-plus touchdowns, 20 yard one yards per catch. He was at 80 catch. He was like just over 80 catches. Like that's not alpha. That's that's a 50-50 ball guy. Like that's kind of what he is. T. Higgins is an alpha receiver. Cowboy's not an alpha, but he can take a load of targets. He's a good PPR guy. But Jamar Chase, I just don't see him being the number one. I just don't see too many worlds where he's the number one in targets. I see that going to T. Higgins in most worlds. I have it projected that way. And Jamar Chase, I think, will still be a solid wide receiver three. He has big play upside with his 50-50 ball ability. But I feel like a 50-50 ball guy going to the NFL, that yards per catch is going to go down. There's going to be a lot of incompletions. There's going to be some interceptions there. The catch rate is just not going to be as high. It was basically 99-1 to in college for Jamar Chase. Like, like, he was just dominating people. But in the NFL, it's going to be much different for him. And it's going to, I don't know how well he's going to adjust. So I'm mainly avoiding Jamar Chase at his price because he's being drafted just outside the wide receiver twos, which makes absolutely no sense to me. I'd much rather have Devonta Smith later. And then 
my next two guys, Jalen Waddle and Rashad Bateman. I have Rashad Bateman ahead of Jalen Waddle, so let's talk about him first. Rashad Bateman is a very, very talented receiver. I love him coming out of college. Love this guy's film. I've been watching film lately, actually. Love this guy. This guy is elite. This guy is built to be a number one. And I just don't see many worlds where he's lower than the number two option. Obviously, Mark Andrews is a great safety blanket for Lamar Jackson to use. But there's just not a world to me where he's the num- he's lower than the number two option. And I think he could definitely easily be a wide receiver three or higher in this offense. I think Lamar takes a step forward in the passing game this season. I think they pass more. They've brought in weapons to do so. So I think Rashad Bateman's going to be a pretty heavily involved option in this offense. And I really, really like his talent. And then Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle's a guy I'm not confident in at all. I don't like the way I don't like the way he catches the ball. He uses he depends on his body to catch the ball. Like he basically hugs the ball when he catches it watching his film. I just don't love that coming in the NFL. Corners are just going to punch that out every single time. Like that's just that's just not really a thing you can do in the NFL. You have to be able to make those outside your body catches, which he can. He totally can. Don't get me wrong. He totally can. But Watching him make those kind of catches, he fumbles with them a lot. He drops them a lot. Sometimes he can make those catches, but sometimes he doesn't, and it's really, really tough to trust him. But he could definitely be the number one option if Will Fuller inevitably gets injured somehow because he always does. He could definitely be the number one option in this offense. So, I I mean, Waddle could definitely be fine. He could be a wide receiver three, but I'm not really trusting that at all based on, look, this this offense is very crowded. I believe in Tua, but Tua could definitely play bad. Tua's deep ball was not like the best last season. So I just don't, it, Waddle's very confusing to me. Yeah, he, he is. He is a little bit, you know, kind of thinking about And you're right. Will Fuller can definitely easily uh, get, get injured. He's, he's pr- proven that a lot yeah. over, the, over the years. And when he was with Houston and, and which could allow Waddle, as you mentioned, to slide into that, that one spot. And I definitely agree about, about the Ravens wanting to throw the ball a little more. I think they've drafted some weapons. They've got some guys for, for Jackson to really build up a rapport with in training camp. They're really, you know, when you become uh, as, as one dimensional as they have been at times over the past couple of years, yeah. running the foot, come running the football, you can become a little bit, uh, become a really good bit predictable to these, these really great defensive coordinators in the NFL. So definitely think being able to, to play a little bit more complimentary, uh, football in terms of the running game and the passing game. I think it's really going to open up the offense, really going to give them a chance to, to be really special uh, this year and, and, you know, to get where they want to go. I mean, we talk about them making the playoffs, going, going to the, playing in the AFC championship game, going to the Super Bowl. This has a, this gives them a, not the best opportunity, but a better opportunity uh, for them to be able to do that. And a few of the, who are a few of the sleeper uh, receivers that you're looking at? Maybe guys that that aren't really uh, talked about right now. You know, I've got a few. I've got, I've got. Yeah. You know, first I've guy, got a couple here. The first guy I look yeah. at it is Terrence Marshall for the Panthers. Yeah, he's a big one. He's a guy that is, is reuniting with with Joe Brady and that offense that they ran in 2019 at LSU. He's not going to be a guy that that you're going to have to depend on right away. You still got some receivers. Still got Robbie Anderson. You still got. You know, those guys over there uh, for the Panthers, still he's not going to be asked to, to take over that number one receiver right away. I think by, you know, he's a guy that, that could take a few weeks, but by the by the midway point, by the by the bye week, I think he's going to be a guy that, that's really 
making an impact for the Panthers. They got Rondell Moore down uh, for the Cardinals. You know, kind of looking at that receiver room, there's Christian Kurt, there's Andy Isabella there. He's He could be a guy that could, could slide into a spot. Elijah Don't forget Moore. about A.J. Green. Yep, uh, A.J. Green, yep. He's, he's a guy that, that they've got now. And then, you know, kind of looking at, at at Elijah Moore, I think he's a guy that, that Zach Wilson could could throw the ball to being, being in the slot. Don't necessarily love him outside just because of his height and just because him being mm-hmm. a little bit smaller, I love him in the slot. But And then a guy, you know, Amandra St. Brown for the Lions. I think he's yeah. – he did a really good Great job sleeper. at USC. He's a guy that can that can play outside. He can he can slide in inside if he if he really needs to. He's a guy that can catch a lot of balls. Really has a great catch radius. And and a, and a guy that that not really hearing a lot of people talk about is a guy that I think has a chance to to be really special. And that's Amari Rogers for the Packers. I think he's yep. a guy guy to Clemson that's going to be really special. It allows him to to play the slot. He's a guy that that Aaron Rodgers. Probably uh, well, assuming Aaron Rodgers is quarterback for the for the Packers this season, don't really know on that drama front yet. But he's a guy that can really be dependable guy in the slot, and it also allows you to to move Devontae Williams or Devontae Adams, excuse me, completely uh, outside, which is I think suits him a lot better. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think Aaron Rodgers is gone. Like that's just my prediction. Like when you look at my rankings, you're gonna see. I think Aaron Rodgers is gone. Devontae Adams, my wide receiver six. Aaron Jones is my RB 13. Like, I just think they're gone. I don't think Rodgers is staying. But if he were to stay, Amari Rodgers is a great sleeper because they drafted him to become the number two option. Alan Lazard has been not great over his career. MVS is clearly, like, not good. Like, there, and Robert Tunyon was just throw to him in the red zone. Like, he wasn't the real number two option. Like, he wasn't really that good. So, it's, I think uh, Amari Rodgers could definitely be a great option. But another guy I really want to talk about here is Elijah Moore. I love Elijah Moore's film. I love his highlight coming out of college. I love everything about Elijah Moore. And just think about what Ole Miss has been doing lately with receivers. A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf lately. Obviously, you know, scout the receiver, not the helmet. But just something, some th- just a fun fact to point out. But anyway, Zach Wilson is a rookie quarterback with a new rookie receiver. Zach Wilson is going to stick to somebody like there's going to be a clear number one option and we're going to see it pretty quickly. And I think Elijah Moore could definitely be that guy pretty quickly because we're going to have all of OTAs, all of mini camps, all of practices to see who's going to be the number one option. Elijah Moore is getting a lot of praise out of camp. Zach Wilson's getting a lot of praise out of camp. Zach Wilson likes Elijah Moore. There've been those reports out of camp. I think Elijah Moore could definitely be the number one option. It's a very shaky receiver core right now for the Jets. And then my third favorite guy probably is a sleeper. It's got to be a Monroe St. Brown, like you mentioned. Like, Jared Goff, as much as we like to say he's bad, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods were great for fantasy. Like, they were good when they were healthy. Both were solid receivers. And outside of TJ Hawkinson, there is no one in Detroit worth trusting for pass-catching work. Maybe DeAndre Swift, but I don't see DeAndre Swift getting, like, 70-plus catches. Like, that's not really... I don't really see many worlds where he does that. I see a lot. I see a lot of opportunity for Ramon Ross St. Brown here because their defense sucks. They're going to have to throw, and there's going to be a lot of volume to go around. And Ramon Ross St. Brown could definitely take a step up, and he could definitely be the number two option with Jared Goff throwing that many times. That's definitely 
that could definitely be a wide receiver three type of potential there. And he's being drafted so late right now. You're getting him way late. And then Terrace Marshall. Sorry, last guy I'm going to talk about here. Terrace Marshall. He could lead the NFL in rookie receiver. He can lead the rookie receivers in touchdowns. Like he is such a great red zone threat. And they don't really have a, an amazing red zone threat in Carolina right now. DJ Moore has proven he cannot score touchdowns. Like DJ Moore has never scored touchdowns in his career. Robbie Anderson scored like, I don't know, three touchdowns last season. How many touchdowns did he score? Like three? It was so bad. Like Terrace Marshall could definitely get a lot of red zone, a lot of red zone work, a lot of red zone work. Like it's just there for him, but I don't really see many worlds where he's like, I don't know, like 800 to a thousand yard receiver. Cause this is a Sam Darnold quarterback with a Christian McCaffrey running back that Christian McCaffrey will probably get 80 to hundred catches. And Christian McCaffrey is going to be the face of this franchise for the next few seasons. Sam Darnold is not the face of this franchise. So I don't really see many worlds where Terrace Marshall is very, very relevant, but he could definitely lead rookie receivers and touchdowns. And that could be helpful for your fantasy team. Maybe guessing when he gets those touchdowns. But outside of that, I don't see many opportunities for many receivers here. Yeah. I mean, you, you bring up a great point. I think he's, he's a great uh, red zone target there. Just kind of depend, you know, I've, it feels like a lot of times, you know, they you you know they're they're going to stick to to what's worked all the way down the field. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what they do in year two with Joe Brady. It seemed like last year when Christian McCaffrey uh, was healthy, he was the guy that that was leading them down the field. And and if it ain't broke, don't fix it. You can go you go to go to him in the red zone, even if you yeah even if, even if the defenses know that he's getting the ball, uh, he's still he's still going to be scoring touchdowns. So there might not be uh, so many opportunities for for Terrence Marshall to get those touchdowns, but kind of being able to, to predict uh, when those touchdowns may come. If you, if you can do that this year, you're, you, I think you're in good shape as far as your fantasy. League. Yeah, but that's pretty much impossible, but that's pretty much impossible to predict touchdowns. I don't really think he could be great this season, but I honestly, he can just, he could be a touchdown guy. And if he keeps scoring touchdowns, he keeps showing that he's worth something. They could throw to him more because honestly, DJ Moore has been showing that he's really iffy. He's really on and off. Robbie Anderson, you know, he's fine. He's solid. He's a solid receiver, but down the stretch, he was bad. And now Curtis Samuel is gone, a guy that they leaned on down the stretch. Terrace Marshall definitely has opportunity to beat out DJ Moore or Robbie Anderson in targets. He has the opportunity here. But I don't really see, I don't really see too many worlds where he does that. Yeah, I, I, I don't either. And then kind of the, as we're winding down the last, last position group, uh, that we got is, is the tight end. You mean group. Kyle Pitts? Yeah, but Kyle Pitts is pretty much. The, uh, <laughs> That's the only one. He's he's the Kyle he's the Kyle Pitts group. You know, you think about him uh, at Florida. The you know just the freak that he is. But the only guy that I could even see even competing for a for a tight end spot uh, in this rookie class is maybe Pat Pat Firemuth with the with the Steelers. The, the yep. you know he's still got Eric Ebron. He's he's a guy that. That's that's been dependable, but he's a, you know, he's a guy that that's maybe getting you know towards the, the possibly the end of his career uh, a little bit. So when you look at Pat Frymuth, he might be a guy that. And the Steelers like throwing uh, to the tight ends. They normally play with with two tight end sets. So I think they Pat, Pat Frymuth definitely has a uh, some opportunities. But but with Kyle Pitts, he's he's number two. He's number one. He's number two. He's like one through fifty. And then uh, Pat Frymuth is maybe checking in there at 51. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, this is just, I mean, Pat, I'm going to talk about Pat Frymuth first because I have some things to say about Kyle Pitts. But 
Pat Freemuth definitely has the opportunity here because Eric Ebron is, has bricks for hands. Like, he cannot catch. He is bad. So, down the stretch, I think Pat Freemuth could take over the tight end room for the Steelers, and Big Ben as a struggling quarterback could want a safety blanket like Pat Freemuth. Pat Freemuth is a huge dude. Like, I can't remember his exact height and weight, but he's like 6'5", 250-ish pounds. Like, he's massive. He's a massive dude. He's going to be a great safety blanket for Big Ben or maybe a rookie quarterback coming in in 2022. We'll see what happens. But I think Pat Freemuth could definitely take over the tight end room. But then let's talk about Kyle Pitts for a second. I think Kyle Pitts is going to be fine this season. I have him ranked as a tight, my tight end nine. Okay? Like, he's being drafted as the tight end four right now. Like, according to Underdog ADP, over the last month, he's drafted as the tight end four. And I just don't see... I just don't see it. Rookie tight ends don't work. They just don't work. Like, they just never do. And Calvin Ridley's there. Russell Gage is there. Hayden Hurst is there. Matt Ryan is going to struggle a lot without Julio Jones. It's going to be really, really... A I feel it's going to be a dysfunctional offense next season. I don't like Matt Ryan this season at all. The only guy I like from this offense really is Calvin Ridley. I love Calvin Ridley. He's my wide receiver one for fantasy. I think he's going to be heavily leaned on. But I just don't see Matt Ryan producing good numbers, and that's really going to hurt Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is going to be a guy that is drafted way too high, and it's not going to work out. It's just really not going to work out. Rookie tens don't work out. This offense is really confusing with Matt Ryan without Julio Jones. Matt Ryan has proved time after time again he sucks without Julio Jones. He just does. I don't know if Matt Ryan's going to figure it out. I just really don't. And I think that Kyle Pitts is going to disappoint a lot of people because he's being drafted as a 10 and four, but I've seen a lot of people rank him in the top three ahead of George Kittle, ahead of Darren Waller. I've seen someone rank him as a tight end one. Like I've seen people go crazy about this guy. He's not going to finish in the top three. And it's very unlikely that he finishes in the top five. I don't see many worlds where he does that. So I'm just completely avoiding Kyle Pitts. I think he's a great pick in Dynasty, obviously. He's the best Titan prospect we've ever seen. But 2021, Kyle Pitts is a no. There's just so much risk, and I'd much rather have TJ Hawkinson or Mark Andrews or Mike Kosicki. Much rather have those guys than Kyle Pitts right now. Yeah, and I, I definitely agree. The only thing that's the thing that's interesting to me about Pitts is kind of being able to. He he's such a, a freak of nature where he could you know yeah. line, he he's a he can line up you know anywhere on the field. You know he you can put him at a receiver, you can put him in line, you can put him you mm -hmm. know in the slide, you can put him at so many places. That definitely uh, helps him as far as being able to because he's not he's not your average Joe tight end. He's, he's not. He's he, awesome. He's he, awesome. And so, to me, you never you kind of you kind of think about. It. I think a lot of the people that that are ranking him as as high as they are, I think they're kind of feeling of the same way that they're gonna you know line him up all over the field, and so he could be a weapon uh, for Matt Ryan. Which I, I agree. I think he's gonna struggle. He's definitely proven that he can that he struggles without Julio. It'd be interesting to see how many touches Calvin really gets. Uh, this year, I think he's going. Like you said, I think he's going to be heavily leaned on. But, but Kyle, Kyle Pitts is just a just an interesting phenomenon. He's definitely a guy that that I that you might want to draft later and just kind of sit him on the bench, you know, for the first few weeks just to kind of see 
how he's being used and and if he's being used in the red zones, he's kind of a guy that that is a red zone target that can score a lot of touchdowns as well. Yeah, yeah, drafting him late and putting him on your bench, that's totally cool. Like if he was being drafted like at tight end 10 or something like that, I'd totally take that risk because it's just like it's worth it there. But you're taking him at pretty much his ceiling. Like tight end four, I don't see I only see like it's it's the chances of him breaking to that top three of George Carroll, Darren Waller, Travis Kelsey without an injury are so slim. Like he's going to have to score like 15 points per game. And I don't see that on this offense with the receivers and tight other tight ends in Hayden Hurst around him. I just don't see that happening. It doesn't really make sense to me why people are drafting him that high. Just. It just doesn't. It just doesn't make sense. I just don't understand it. If you you were getting him late, you can stash him on your bench for the first few weeks, see what happens, and maybe maybe even drop him if he's really really bad, like the first eight weeks or whatever. But you're drafting him so high, it's not worth it at all. But the thing that made us interesting is what, what I'm really. It is very. Look, he is interesting. Like he's so interesting. He could have a great season, but you're drafting him at his ceiling. You're drafting him at pretty close to his ceiling. And his floor is endless. Like his floor, like, I mean, no, his floor is so low. Like he could finish outside the top 20 tight ends. And I wouldn't be too surprised. Rookie tight ends don't always succeed. Yeah, what what's really gonna be interesting to me is what I'm what I'm kind of what I want to watch the first few weeks from the Falcons offense is is are they gonna are they gonna put now, how often are Hayden Hurst and Kyle Pitts going to be on the field at the same time? Is Hayden Hurst mm-hmm. going to be is Hayden Hurst going to be in line and Kyle Pitts going to be lined up? You know, maybe opposite Calvin really at the other wide receiver spot. That's yeah. going to allow him to to get touches. So that that's really what I'm really looking forward to watching the first few weeks of the year. And and I'm like you, I definitely you know put I definitely draft Kyle Pitts as is not definitely not my primary tight end, my secondary tight end. We put him on the bench, see how he is the first couple weeks, and then and then go from there. Yeah, it's like it's going to be very interesting to watch how they line up. I personally believe they're going to do two tight end sets with Hayden Hurst and Kyle Pitts, and then Russell Gage and Calvin Ridley on the outside. I believe that's going to be their standard, their their standard offense uh, when they line up. But like, it's just. You can't trust Kyle Pitts as your tight end one. It just doesn't make sense. Just go for TJ Hawkins to go for Mark Andrews instead, or go for one of the big three. Go for Travis Kelsey. Go for Darren Waller. Go for George Kittle. Like, I just really, for me, I usually draft top five tight end or just punt the tight end position. Just draft outside the top 20 tight ends. Don't even draft until basically your last pick and just take a couple sleepers and see what happens. Like, that's basically how I approach a tight end position. But I'm just not taking Kyle Pitts with the amount of risk that he has. If I'm taking a top five tight end, I want that top five tight end. I think TJ Hawkins is going to be there. I know Mark Andrews is going to be there. I know Jared, uh, the top three, Travis Kelsey, Darren Wall, and George Kittle will be there. Kyle Pitts could finish so far lower than that ADP. Yeah, I'm. It's. I'm think. You know, I, I hadn't really gotten into my you know my fantasy strategy yet, but I think. Uh, if I can't, you know, if, if if everybody out there, if you can't get one of those top three uh, tight ends, I think you're you're probably better off to to do what you said to just kind of punt the the tight end position, draft yeah. a couple sleepers, and and maybe you can 
and maybe you can uh you know get lucky stream the time position and get some point maybe you can get some points every week uh, with different guys yeah yeah like just grab a couple guys and if they're not working you can just stream the time position and just hope for one catch for one yard and a touchdown like that's what you're hoping when you stream the time position that's pretty much it so just draft those couple guys late like i love getting you know gerald everett i love getting uh on adam troutman late i love getting I loved getting Irv Smith late. Now it's a little more confusing with uh, the Zimmer comment. So I'm not, I'm a little concerned about him. Cole Komet, I like, I like Austin Hooper late. I like Tyler Higby later, like a bunch of those kind of guys I like later, but I just don't get, I just don't get, I just don't get drafting those middle tight ends, like those Noah Fants, those Dallas Goddard's, those Mike Gesicki's, like those guys in the sixth to eighth round. Like people are just kind of filling their time position because they don't have one. That's basically what you're doing when you draft those guys. You're just filling your time position, and it's always going to be disappointing, and you're always going to want to stream a tight end. Yeah, well, there, there's no doubt about that. That's definitely definitely a really really good strategy to take if you can't get one of those top ones. But but man, this has been a great conversation today. Thank thank you so much. Yeah, man. For, thank you so much for for agreeing to to come on. Definitely got to do this again uh, before the season and, and probably during the season as well. But Absolutely, tell everybody, man. Tell everybody where they can find you on on social media because I know you're you're really booming right now. Where they can where they can find uh, your Young Fantasy Mind uh, podcast and and just just really appreciate you taking time and, and we'll definitely do it again soon. Yeah, man, I've loved coming on. Got to get you on the show. So, guys, you can follow me on Twitter at tyfmnfl. It's my little uh, username down there. Just go follow that on Twitter. You can find. Um, you can find my podcast on most major podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever. You can find my website, theyoungfantasymind.com. You can find my rankings over there. You can find the podcast over there. You can also find my first ever article. I recently wrote an article discussing Jalen Hurts' outlook for fantasy football for 2021. My first few articles, it's kind of going to be like an every other week type of thing. It's going to be about the most confusing fantasy players for 2021, just looking at their situation look at and just giving you an outlook, giving you what you should be doing with these players. It's going to be super fun. Jalen Hurts was a great start. I loved writing about him. Hey, he's, he's definitely, one of the, he's definitely one of the most uh, confusing players this year, but, but man, yeah. man, I hope you stay safe and well, and, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. All right, man. See you. Thanks for having me on. It was, oh, it was welcome. super fun. You're welcome. Thanks, Hutch, for coming on today. Thank you for watching and listening to Crunch Time Plays today. Make sure you hit that subscribe button on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. It's been another edition of Crunch Time Plays. God bless everybody.